0: This is a Timmet Podcast. This podcast is part of the series, On the Marge. The title of this episode is Planting Bridges. Planting Bridges. My wife is a gardener in the family, I'm the engineer. Mara became quite impatient with me the year I tried to set up a work breakdown structure and a schedule for our garden. She said I could no more engineer a garden than she could plant a bridge. I agreed with her at the time, but now I've changed my mind. Whitehorse is a city of volunteers. Everyone helps out with something. I volunteer at the Guild Community Theater, either in the box office or as a bartender. Mara volunteers with the Yukon Quest dog sled race and the Yukon River Quest canoe race. These are all fun, but none of them is as rewarding as bridge building. Every year, students across Yukon build bridges out of wooden coffee stir sticks, dental floss, and glue. Then on the second Saturday of April, all the bridges come together in a school gym to be tested to see how much weight they can support before breaking. In each of several categories, the lightest bridge that can support the greatest weight is the winner. It's all quite exciting, with young bridge builders and proud parents packing the bleachers, and the instant slow-motion replays of the collapsing bridges showing on the big screen. The bridge building competition is sponsored by Engineers Yukon. Because I'm a professional engineer, I get to be one of the organizers of the event, and one of the testers with safety goggles and steel-toe boots, adding weights to the bucket under each bridge until it collapses. But the best part comes before the competition as engineers fan out to the schools to talk to the students about engineering in general and the stresses and strains involved in bridge construction in particular. Last year, we received an email from Erica, one of the teachers in Old Crow. She wanted to know if we could send an engineer to her school to talk about bridge building. Old Crow students had never participated in the bridge building competition before and had never had an engineer come to their school. Their village is the only community in Yukon without road access. The only way there is an $800 round-trip plane ticket from Whitehorse. An engineer visit would take at least two nights and three days, given the flight schedules. We have many engineers who visit schools in Whitehorse and the surrounding communities every year. But nobody wanted to, or could, go to Old Crow in the period between Christmas and the bridge-building competition. I volunteered to see what I could do. It took six weeks to figure everything out. My boss at Yukon Highways and Public Works said he would cover my time, so I wouldn't have to take vacation. The college had a house in Old Crow, where I could stay, on the condition that I took my own food with me. I talked to Air North, who talked to the First Nation government in Old Crow, and together they arranged for me to have one of the yearly flights allocated to the community. I was set years ago in northern Quebec. I had been to an Inuit village twice the size of Old Crow and I expected the same sort of thing. In Quebec, I had stepped off the plane onto a windswept gravel landing strip where the standard visitor reception consisted of only a semicircle of snowmobiles. In Old Crow, I was pleasantly surprised to walk only a few steps from the plane to a miniature air terminal complete with heat, washrooms with running water, check-in counter with baggage scale, and waiting room with tourist brochures. Erica met me with the school pickup truck one of the few automobiles in the village. After dropping my bag at the college house and grabbing a quick bowl of soup at Erica's school-provided house, I went on to the school, and Erica briefed me on the schedule she had laid out for me. Because I was going to be there for several days anyway, she had arranged for me to talk to three school classes and the college's small engine repair class. She suggested that I also attend the school concert the first afternoon, the show by the traveling home roots musicians in the community hall that evening, and the community lunch at the school the next day. If, of course, I had time. Oh, I did have time for all that, and more. The weather was very cold, but I was prepared for that. On the first day, I walked all the way around the airstrip before supper. And on the second, walked through the village to see the new solar-powered cultural centre and the old churches along the waterfront. There were snowmobiles everywhere, and everyone waved. The grade 3-4-5 class was the most receptive and the most engaged in what I had to say. I tailored my presentation as much as I could to the local situation. I started with the general introduction to the types of engineering and some discussion about tension and compression and different types of bridges, all supported by videos and stills on the computer projector. Then I proposed, OK, so let's make a bridge across the Porcupine River, right here in Old Crow. I ran into immediate resistance. But we don't need a bridge, protested Eli. We can just drive over on a skidoo. We have lots of skidoo's here. Ah, but what about in summer, I countered. Well, we could go across in a boat, declared Tanisha somewhat patronizingly to this visitor from outside, who obviously didn't understand about life in Old Crow. My dad has a boat. Everybody has a boat. Ah, but what about in the fall during freeze-up or during spring break-up when you can't use either a skidoo or a boat? i was sure I had them there. What then? Well, there's nothing on the other side of the river to go to. We don't need a bridge in Old Crow. Jacob was triumphant. Unfortunately, he was also correct. I pondered what I was going to say next. Sharon spoke up. But if we did need a bridge, it could be like the picture you showed us of the bridge at Teslin. It would have to be in several pieces held up by sticks in the bottom of the river. Otherwise, it would be Too long and bend in the middle. That was the sort of spark I was looking for. The ability to apply general principles to solving a hypothetical problem. I didn't usually find that in kids this young. But that was what we needed to keep the class going. With ropes suspended between desks, we were soon exploring the challenges of suspension bridges, and with bolt-together strips of wood that I just happened to have in my backpack, we were investigating the relative structural advantages of squares and triangles. Sharon stayed behind at the end of the class. There are metal things up there, she said, pointing to the steel trusses in the ceiling of the classroom. It's all triangles, just like the bridge to make it strong. But what about the ends where the triangles stop and it gets small? I said, well, ceiling hasn't fallen down yet. Where does it have to be the strongest? Sharon gazed at the ceiling and thought, Well... She ventured after a moment of reflection. At the end, the walls hold up the roof, but in the middle there isn't anything to hold up the roof, so it has to be strongest there. I guess that's why there are no triangles on the end. Anyway, if there were triangles on the end, it'd be hard to stick it to the wall. She was right, I told her so. Come on, Sharon, called Erica. You'll be late for great class. Erica smiled as Sharon hurried down the hall. I don't know if you're going to get any bridges from Old Crow for the competition, she said. Jacob was right about us not needing a bridge here, and it's often difficult to get the kids thinking about abstract things. And then there's the problem of actually getting the bridges to Whitehorse for competition. I mean, eggs don't even survive the trip up here, so it would be really hard getting a stick-and-glue bridge down there intact. I just don't know. Two weeks before the competition, I received an email from Erica. Erica. She had to come to Whitehorse for a medical appointment the Monday after the competition. She was flying down the Friday before. Coincidentally, the school was sending two bridges and one of the students with her. Did I know of any cheap and safe place where the student could stay or where they could both stay together? The community was taking care of the student's flight, but a hotel was out of the question. Well, there are certain advantages to running a bed and breakfast. Luckily, the Walnut Crescent B&B was empty that weekend and I invited the Old Crow visitors to stay with us. For free, of course. I met them at the plane on Friday afternoon. The student traveling with Erica was Sharon, the one who had shown the extra spark of insight when I had spoken to the grade 3, 4, 5 class. She had a small bag with her. She also had two cardboard boxes. One was small and square. The other was long, obviously custom-fitted to its content and wrapped carefully with packing tape. Sharon shoved the small box to me. Here, she said. It's caribou. My mom sent it to you for looking after me. It's frozen. It's packed in snow. However, Sharon seemed very concerned about the long box, and I asked her what was wrong. Can we open this? She asked. It's the two bridges. I want to make sure they're okay, and if they got broken, I want to glue them before the competition. No problem, I assured her. We have glue at the house, and we're near the high school anyway but we have to get the bridges over there soon so they can be measured, weighed, and photographed. When we got to the house and I had introduced Erica and Sharon to my wife Mara and my daughter Alex, Sharon asked impatiently, Can we open the bridges now? Uh, Maybe we should do it outside because it'll be messy. Sharon was quite relieved once we got the box open and confirmed that the bridges were intact. They had been carefully packed in sawdust so they wouldn't move. But that wasn't the surprising part. Who made these bridges? I asked, amazed. They were of two completely different designs, and the workmanship was meticulous. The dental floss was tied neatly and precisely, and each stick was trimmed and glued with obvious care. No, not care. Artistry. Mm, I did, said Sharon shyly. Both of them? I asked. Yeah, replied Sharon, pointing to the one of quite conventional design. This was the first one. It's like the bridge at Teslin, but only one section. It's got all the triangles to make it strong above the flat part where the cars drive. And when the weight goes on it, those parts above will squish together. But it's hard to make the sticks hold together with glue when they're being squished together, even with dental floss. That's why I made the other bridge. I'd seen many bridges in the competition, like Sharon's first bridge. Sharon was right. Even though the Teslin bridge is strong, Its steel members are held together with bolts or rivets that resist the shear force caused by the compression, much better than glue on the adjoining faces. That type of bridge always failed spectacularly in the competition in a cloud of powdered glue and flying sticks. Tell me about the second bridge, I said. Sharon looked at Erica and then back at me. "When, When you were at our school, she said hesitantly, You said the score got higher if the bridge is strong but got lower if the bridge is heavy. So I figured that dental floss is lighter than sticks and stronger than sticks when you pull on it. I made this bridge with triangles of dental floss under the bridge and only a couple of sticks to make it strong. When the weight goes on the bridge, the dental floss will pull. I think That will be stronger and better than hoping sticks don't come unglued when they push together like on the other bridge. And this one is lighter. Shearn seemed exhausted by her explanation. But she was right. The dental floss, connected at each end of the bridge and stretched over the minimal frame below the center, would be under tension when the bridge flexed under load. That's a great design, I said with admiration. Are you sure? asked Sharon nervously. There weren't any bridges like this in the pictures you showed us, like in Teslin or Carcross. That's because the bridges I showed you weren't made of sticks, glue, and floss, I replied. And your bridges are very well made. They're beautiful, exclaimed Mara. Sharon said nothing, so Erica pitched in. They do a lot of beadwork in Old Crow. Yeah, said Sharon modestly. My auntie is showing me how. I sort of tied the dental floss in the same way. "'How long did it take you to make the bridges?' asked my daughter Alex. "'I could see that she was impressed by the older girl's work. "'Well, I actually made another bridge where I tried out different things,' said Sharon. "'You know, like how to make the dental floss stick to the sticks and not pull off, "'and how to glue the sticks so they're not bumpy, that sort of thing. "'When something didn't work, well, I didn't do it that way. "'We went to the school to register Sharon's bridges.' I think she felt intimidated to see a hundred other bridges laid out on the tables. There were many Teslan-style bridges, but none exactly like Sharon's second bridge. Are you sure you have to break them all, she asked. At Alex's suggestion, we all went for supper at Boston Pizza together. Then we went home because Sharon was feeling tired. You have many trucks in Whitehorse, she observed during the drive, but no snowmobiles. Later when Alex and Sharon were in bed, Mara, Eric, and I sat talking in the living room. You know, said Erica, on Thursday there was a community lunch at the school because of the bridges. The elders came and talked about building bridges. Bridges between communities. Bridges between cultures. Bridges between the past and future. I, I didn't understand everything. Some of them spoke Gietchen. Those bridges are important to Sharon but they're also really important to Old Crow. Saturday was a busy day. I had to go to the school early to make sure everything was ready for the competition. Mara came a bit later with Sharon and Alex. We had many bridges to test and I didn't see what happened with Sharon's bridges. But when it was all over, Sharon's second bridge had won second prize in the grade 3, 4, 5 category. That night at supper, we talked about the competition. When they played back my second bridge in slow motion on the big screen, said Sharon, I could see that it was strong in the middle, but it broke at one end where it was sitting on the filing cabinet. I didn't expect that. I think I know how to fix that in the bridge I'm going to make next year. Because Sharon wasn't flying back to Old Crow until Tuesday, I asked her if there was anything special she wanted to do or see. "'Do you have any bridges around here?' she asked hesitantly. "'I've never seen a real bridge. "'How far is Teslin?' "'So on Sunday, while Erica went off to visit some friends in town, "'Mara, Alex, Sharon and I hopped into the car "'and headed down the Alaska Highway "'for an engineering tour of bridges. "'We inspected the Lewes River Bridge and the one at Teslin, "'and on the way back examined the bridges of Tagish and Carcross. "'They're all so different,' said Sharon.' I don't think any of them would be good for the competition if you made them out of sticks and glue. Alex wasn't all that interested. The ice cream is better in CarMax than in Teslin, she declared that evening at supper. But do they have a bridge at CarMax? asked Sharon. I don't know, I guess so, replied Alex. So, asked Mara, are you going to be a civil engineer and make bridges when you grow up? No, replied Sharon. Bridges aren't that useful in Old Crow. She turned to me. When you talked to our class, you talked about other kinds of engineers. You said there was one kind of engineer who, who, who looked after the land. Yes, environmental engineer, I said. They help make sure that what people do doesn't affect the water or the air or the wildlife. Sharon said, People in Old Crow are talking about them looking for gas at Eagle Plains and over in Alaska. That's it's inland. Everyone talks, but nobody knows what to do or if it's good or bad. They all think it's bad, but nobody can really say why. Maybe we need an environmental engineer in Old Crow to look after the caribou and the muskrats, and the birds, and the fish, and the rivers and the land, and our people. I received an email from Erica the next week. Chuck Thanks ever so much for sending the PDF of the Yukon News front page. The picture of Sharon holding her bridge was great. I didn't even know they'd taken her photo. I printed out a few copies for the latest community lunch. The elders were back and talked about Sharon's trip to Whitehorse. One of them held up the newspaper front page and told everyone that Sharon had showed that kids from Old Crow could do anything they wanted if they set their minds to it. And then Sharon got up and told how she'd seen real bridges Not just one, but many. The kids all want to make bridges now and I had to order more sticks. After the community lunch, Eli's dad took me aside and wanted to know if I thought it would be possible to make a zip line across the river instead of a bridge. The whole village is bridge crazy. All except Sharon. She's been using the computer here in the classroom after school to read up on environmental engineering on the internet. She really appreciated you setting things up for her with that environmental company on the Monday before we flew back to Old Crow. Apparently they spent the whole day doing graphs about fish. And she wanted to know about fracking the other day. Turns out she knows more about it than I do. Anyway, I thought you'd like to know what you started here. Come back next year. Cheers, Erica. So bridges are kind of like seeds in a garden. You plant them, and sometimes you get something wonderful. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.